0: And welcome back into the Bama Beat Podcast, brought to you by Wiggles, Pickles, and UA Sports Marketing. Dan Eno's got himself a job, brother. Yeah. Oh, man, you jumped on that right out of yeah. the Yeah.
1: Well, he jumped right on us. Yeah, that's true. He did come out of nowhere. Uh, like we we flippantly mentioned him on the last football pod. And then at the time, he did not have a job. At the time, he didn't. And then an hour later, he's linked to the running backs coach job at Cincinnati, right? Things change quickly. So, th- the joys of podcasting, which, by the way, did you make the other Alabama connection there? What's up? He coaches Jerome Ford now. He does. Good point. I didn't even think about in that. Isn't that wild? That is. Small world we live
0: in. Small world. Things come... Full circle. They do some familiarity there. Yeah. So we we what are we talking about today? Corners, corners. That is right. Which at first I was like, with the way that the schedule worked out, maybe we should have combined the corners and the safeties just to go deep to backs, just to give us one less week since our schedules got kind of thrown off a little bit. And because really, I had children, that was just one very small thing. And I think it was more of, for whatever reason, I was thinking the timeline in terms of 8A, when it's like you really need to have this done for the position previews prior to. But we'll get to talk a little bit about some of these positions after we already start getting some information, which will be good for people. Because yeah. we'll have you know more to talk about besides just purely our speculation on how things are going to change. But as far as the cornerbacks go,
1: what are your thoughts? You know, we were talking about this um, off air before we hit record. The position is hit a lot harder than you think it is. It has. It has been for sure. Uh, I mean, like everybody knows, Trayvon Diggs is gone. Uh, they lost uh, Scooby Card to the transfer portal like four times or something weird, weird saga there. Um, Nigel Not yep. is is no longer around. So not only did you lose. Uh, one of your two starting corners, but you also lost a good bit of depth. Now the counterpoint to that is you added an early enrollee, ja- Jaques Robinson, who got to campus on, in time for uh, bowl practices. Got like three on-campus bowl practices in, and then you added a JUCO guy and in, in Ronald Williams. So he's already on campus. Too. Yeah, he's he's on campus. So the the balance of power in the cornerback position is changing pretty quickly, uh, starting with this spring, because there's obviously a starting position up for grabs. And we'll get to that in a second. But something I wanted to bring up and just kind of plant in your mind. Most people have forgotten about it or haven't thought about it in a while because it was more or less dead by the end of the first game of last season. But go back to preseason and week one. Alabama was still kind of toying with whether Patrick Sertan was going to start at corner or at star. Right. So uh, while I don't think it's likely, it is possible that Alabama has two new cornerbacks this year instead of one because which, they put Sertan at star, which I you know technically consider
0: star a corner position. It's just a nickname. I consider slot. it a safety. Do you really? Yeah. Which in some situations, but they're really the the slot nickel corner. Yeah. They're playing the slot guy so they're lined up in a lot of situations they're lined up off balls you know quite a bit but they're also playing some press man in Alabama's defense and you know that's why I also include Shaheem Carter in the group of losses Yeah. even though if you, he technically had to have a specific position that wasn't you know star it would have been safety and not corner so you know you raise a good point there but you also had Xavier McKinney playing some some nickel corner as well that's what makes him such a versatile NFL prospect to so play safety can play you know down to the boxes as a linebacker if you need him too but he can also play a little nickel corner on the inside as well so that's another guy that you're losing some snaps at a position that I technically consider a corner but you're absolutely right the fact that Sertan was able to kick inside and that's where he started that first game against Duke. They actually started uh, Trevon Diggs and Josh Job mm-hmm. at the two outside corners and had Sertan as the uh, as the star, and Shaheen Carter, I don't think, was a starter. I think he was more of a rotational guy for right. that first game. And
1: then they they pretty quickly came to the conclusion that their secondary was better when Shaheem Carter was on the field than when Josh
0: Job was on the field. Which a lot of that has to do with the fact that Shaheem Carter was such a field general. And when you talk about the fact that Alabama had lost Dylan Moses and Joshua Millen and a lot of their <laughs> senior players. You they need needed. as much
1: veteran uh, savvy on that field yes. as you could have possibly gotten. And and Shaheem Quarter. I mean, Nick Saban talked
0: about it preseason last year. You know, and it showed. Shane Carter was a guy that knew what all eleven positions were supposed to be doing, yeah. and the fact that he played that nickel spot, he was a lot closer to those inside linebackers than Xavier McKinney in a lot of situations than you know a guy like Patrick Sertan, uh, who was playing on the outside of the perimeter who had starting experience. So yeah,
1: I completely agree with you. Um, so I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, that being Sertan going to star for 2020, but I did want to I did want to bring up the possibility. I think that it's
0: you know somewhat possible uh, in situations where they do go nickel or dime I could totally see Sertan just because at this point I've been trying to figure out okay who who kind of fits that mold as far as being a star player and Josh Job is probably going to be one of the other two you know he's probably going to be the starter opposite uh, Patrick Sertan but then the fact that you know a guy like uh, Ronald Williams Jr. the Juco guy that you yeah. already talked about I mean The thing about him is he played star, he played safety, he played corner uh, on the Juco level and in high school. Nick Saban talked about that with him. That versatility was very important for Alabama. to add, he could end up playing some star maybe, but I more so see him with his length and stuff. You know, all these, you know, Patrick Sertan, 6'2", 203, I believe. All these Alabama corners outside of Marcus Banks have size, length, uh, at the position. That's sort of what Alabama and Nick Saban in particular looks, looks for at the position. But Ronald Williams could end up playing the star, but I could more so see him playing a perimeter corner in those nickel situations and Pastor Tan making the move to star. If it's not him, you know, Jalen Armour Davis, he saw some action right. in practice, especially on the inside. Who would be that star guy, in your opinion, if it wasn't a Pastor Tan? Or, or, or,
1: or Ronald Williams, Jr.? So you think potentially be so – If, you it's, not, if it's not one of those two <sighs> – Jalen Armour-Davis is probably your leading candidate. Um, When I talked to Jared Maiden at a senior bowl practice one day, he was really high on DeMarco Hellams. I know he's technically a safety, but if we're we're kind of using star as both safety and corner kind of position, depending on the alignment and all that, maybe he becomes a star kind of guy. But I I think it's the versatility of Patrick Sertan II and Ronald Williams Jr. make this – Cornerback position group more nuanced than it otherwise would be. Right. Because if in a normal kind of set in your way traditional circumstance, you would say you lost one corner, so you have one, Patrick Sertan, and now you got to find the other. Most likely candidates being Josh Job and and Ronald Williams Jr. But because Sertan and Ronald Williams Jr. can move around and play the corner and the star, and, and even you could throw Williams back at safety a little bit if you wanted to, they don't need to, so they probably won't. But you could if you if you wanted to. Because of that versatility, I think it's more likely... Let me see if you agree with this. I think it's more likely that your starting three at corner and star are some combination of Patrick Sertan II, Josh Job, and Ronald Williams Jr. And the exact alignment is what we'll find out over the next six months or so. I would
0: say as long as Ronald Williams Jr. ends up being the caliber of player that they're expecting. That, that, that's a good point. He's got yes. to deliver. Uh, but, yes, I would say that that's probably what they're okay. looking at, that number four corner coming down Being to Jalen Arm- or Davis, or- Davis or Marcus Banks. Okay, um, I would say that that would probably round out your top five. When you look at the traditional nickel corner, it's a guy that needs to be a little bit smaller in stature.
1: Should be able to, but he's also got to be strong because he's going to be an overhang guy against the run, and he's going to be a useful blitzer at times. Yes, and that's what I was about to say. Especially
0: for Alabama, the way that they like their star players, Uh, you got to think they use Minka Fitzpatrick in that role. Tony Brown, you know, he was a guy who had a lot of athleticism. You know, this past year, Shaheem Carter, guy, I think, you know, roughly. 5'11", 190 pounds maybe. I don't remember the exact measurements at the combine but it was something around there. I think I'll think i find them for you. I think it was just a tick under 5'11", and like 188 or something uh, if I had to guess. But
1: you know, he was 5'10 and 4 eighths. Oh, that's the arm length. Come on. Really? Why, why are you doing this to so, me? So 5'10 and a half. So, yeah, just a tick under 5'11. Uh, think
0: 194. 194. Yeah, 5'10 and a half, 194. Okay. Yeah, 188 was Henry Ruggs. Um, but, yeah. That's the kind of body type more so that you're looking for in a lot of these situations. Tony Brown was, you know, roughly in the same range. Ronald Williams, you're a 6'2", 188. Yeah, and so he's got more length. He's got the perimeter length you look for, but really, outside of a Marcus Banks, you're not going to be able to find that guy that, you know, and it's not that having length at that position is a bad thing. It's just, in most cases, guys who are able to play press man – you know, perimeter type of guys with a lot of length. I mean, you saw the benefits of having Travon Diggs as far as his ball skills and his length, arm length, all that combination, uh, make an impact on the field for Alabama last year. That's kind of what they're looking for. And I know that he wasn't great in run support. I know there were some times where he got beat deep, especially in the LSU game. Jamar Chase is a hell of a receiver. Um, So –
1: we, we, we've done this in the past. Yeah.
0: Uh, LSU torched everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we've talked about that a lot, but uh, Javon he, Diggs was the perfect example of where length can help you as a corner. Right. Much in the same way that Marlon Humphrey was mm-hmm. uh, the perfect example of that during his time in Alabama and now with the Baltimore Ravens.
1: But with, with Sertan being 6'2, 203 and Ronald Williams Jr. being 6'2, 188, I think you could make a pretty good case for both of them fitting both. Um, both requirements for both positions being corner and, and star. Obviously, Sertan fits it or else they wouldn't have toyed so long with him being their starting star all season long last year until they decided otherwise. And then you mentioned it when they signed Ronald Williams Jr. Saban mentioned the versatility. And you need that kind of versatility when you lose a corner, a star, and a deep safety from your secondary. And I know we're going to get to... Two safeties. <clears throat> well, yeah. yeah, You're right. Two. two. Um, you mentioned... When you lose all of those things, and we're going to get to safeties later on in this in this preview series, but when you lose that much, you need versatility because you're you've got a lot of holes to fill, and it'd be it'd be nice if you could have one guy that could take the weak spot in whatever that weak spot might be. Um, so I think that's where someone like him proves valuable. And again he has to deliver on the potential. I mean, JUCO guys, especially at a place like Alabama, when they sign a JUCO guy, it's because they believe he can do it immediately. They wouldn't they wouldn't use the scholarship on a JUCO guy if they didn't believe he couldn't do it immediately. That's that's the point of the whole thing. Right. right? Otherwise, you would just use a guy that you could develop and and kind of do more work with in a in a long-term kind of outlook. So, as long as he delivers on that, I find it hard to believe that he's not in the starting lineup just because he can fit in multiple positions. I think so right. he can crack it in multiple ways. Yeah. And, you know, I've I've looked at
0: this roster. I mean, we did talk about this off air a little bit where, you know, kind of just assuming when you got a guy like Pastor Tan, the second, who's able to, you know, be your <clears throat> number one guy as far as in your secondary, more so at corner, you start saying, okay, that's a great place to start, and then you got a lot of guys. You know, Josh Job, who has that experience. Jalen Armour Davis, who you know uh, was, I think, uh, a little bit high, more highly recruited than Josh Job coming out of high school, but he kind of dealt with a knee injury during his true freshman season in 2018. Has kind of been a slow uh, bounce back from that, but I still like him long term. Marcus Banks. Um, I started to kind of wonder. Safety, I think, is and you can agree or disagree with this, but I would probably think that it was better set than corner right now. Even though, yeah. Uh, Not better set as in the starters are locked in, but I really like – the DeMarco Halams, the Jordan Battle is going to have that top spot locked up. Daniel Wright. Daniel Wright, I think, is going to have another – very much be involved in that competition. I think their top three safeties are pretty much locked in. Then you got a couple of, you know, Brian Branch, uh, Malachi Moore, some of these true freshmen that are coming in. The depth of that position starts to round out really well. But
1: Oh, who's the who's the guy that – Eddie Smith. No, the, the the freshman that can play every position is uh, screwed around with quarterback – Oh, uh, Christian Story. Story, thank you. Yeah, yes. he, he could also be a, a safety before that point. Night. And that's a guy that I've kind of forgotten about,
0: and because uh, so, he's not on campus yet. Yeah, we'll get into you know more discussion on him with when it comes to the safeties, right. but. The point being, I think they're a little bit weaker at corner right now as far as the depth of the position. I think safety, even though. Projectable
1: they're, talent for the next two to three years.
0: Yes. Okay. And I think that's why Nick Saban was really trying to land another corner that, you know, the guy, I forget his name, uh, Rakestraw maybe? was Yeah, Enos Rakestraw, the guy that went to Missouri. Yeah, he was a guy, you know, not as highly recruited, um, but Nick Saban really wanted to add him in this 2020 class I wasn't able to do so and I think that was more so for he knows that they need a couple more bodies there otherwise I would you know I really watching Brandon Turnage in practice during the preseason last year during fall camp I really liked his ability to stay in phase uh, you know run with some of Alabama's receivers I mean there's a lot of talented guys in that receiving uh, group that I thought Brandon Turnage looked good but I also think he showed a lot of range in high school and that's something that I thought Alabama could be lacking with last year um, with their safety group, and that kind of ended up being the case. Maiden was not a rangy guy. McKinney played – you know, he can definitely play the single high. He could play the, in, in a two-high defense as a, a deep safety. But, you know, he also excelled in being a guy that you moved up towards line of scrimmage and coming down and run support, which is kind of where they wanted him with the lack of experience in the front seven mm-hmm. due to injuries. So, a guy like Brandon Turnage, I kept thinking, man, I just wonder what he could be like. I kind of saw a Deontay Thompson type of mold with him, but just simply due to the fact that they could be weaker at that position, he could end up sticking at corner. But he's another guy with his ability to maybe play some safety and corner. You might try him out a little bit at star. They got plenty of options, in my opinion, at outside corner the key to the entire thing is who's going to kick inside the star. Yeah. Once we figure that out, I think the rest will take care of itself because you'll know, you know, it's like you said, if it's, you know, Ronald Williams Jr., okay, you know that Josh Job and Patrick Sertan are probably going to be your two outside guys. If it's Sertan that's kicking inside, okay, it's probably going to be Ronald Williams Jr. And –
1: uh, Josh Bean or two outside. Yeah, so it's the fir- the star position is the first domino to fall. Right. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And and that that domino, I anticipate will, if not fall completely, at least begin to. Kind of teeter a little bit in in spring practice because they gotta they gotta have somebody at that position for all those reps. So
0: yeah, that'll be really that'll, that'll a be a couple useful. of guys.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. True.
0: And that that's the thing you haven't really seen. There hadn't been a clear cut number two star that I've known of. You know, like. Shaheem Carter was the star and I guess maybe if, if something would have happened to him they would have moved Sertan in yeah I guess uh, they absolutely would have yeah I, I would probably or, think or so. they may
1: have moved McKinney to star and made battle start at deep safety uh, yeah that's the other thing too that I'd wondered but you're right they haven't had a number one star or a number two star right it's they've just had been kind of, someone you who know. can play star and then someone else who can play star right like you had pretty good
0: guesses as to who could end up being that guy right to step up but you didn't They're on the depth chart they don't ever... I don't think they even... Do they put the star position?
1: I mean they, they do. They, they put do? the star position on the on the depth chart and they have they have it all lined out. But I, I think that line of thinking is kind of similar to the whole best five on the offensive line thing. Let's let's find our five best and then figure out how we can align them. I think that you see a similar line of thinking in the secondary where they say these are our six to seven best defensive backs and let's do what we can to get as many of them on the field as often as possible, even if it means one person starting at one starting at position a but being the backup at position b right because the backup at position a is better than the backup at position b
0: right it's uh, this is one of those the more it's like I there's said, there's a lot of layers to this onion isn't it yeah and, and i'm discovering that you know it's like an onion and you're starting to peel back these layers and realize well this goes a lot deeper and there's not everything set in stone um I've more so looked at, oh, you know, if Alabama fixes the edge position or they get the guys they need at those spots, the defense should be really, really good next year, despite the fact that they lost four out of the five starters in the secondary. It's not. I think I was a lot more confident in the guys they had ready to step up, like a Jordan Battle, like a you know um, Josh Job. I, th- I feel very comfortable with his consistency factor. I thought he played a lot better in the Michigan game than he did against Duke. He really struggled against Duke, um, and so you know I like some of those depth options as well. So this will be. I've quickly come to realize this will be something to monitor as spring training gets underway, starting on Friday. Which do you not find that odd? What? A team that's dealt with a lot of bad luck over the last two years when it comes to injury is starting spring
1: practice on Friday the 13th. (laughs) Am I I overthinking that? Uh, uh, You are not the only person that noticed that. Um, I'm probably... As anti superstitious as a person can be. And I'm the exact opposite. So that's not something I would have noticed. That is funny, though. Yeah. I just,
0: I thought that was it when I, I was like, man, you guys picked a great, and I get it. They like to do the Friday thing. I mean, yeah. Like I mean, a couple the,
1: days off and uh, then get back into it. Start yeah. Monday. Like j- just to, well, it's spring break. Yeah. So like just to lay it out for the listener. So like you actually know what what's happening. The, the joke aside, the Friday the 13th practice is the last day before the university spring break. So they, they get the kids in the meetings and in a practice environment kind of get their mind right and get football on their mind before they go off to spring break and do a bunch of things that college kids do that adults would wish college kids would rather not do. Before uh, they go all get the coronavirus while they're on spring but break. While, yeah, but while they all go to Nashville. or where, one or healthy to, practice. To get the, one yeah, healthy get one, practice. one healthy non-coronavirus impacted practice. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, and then they'll come back from spring break and, and resume. So that's why it actually happens just to educate the listener that didn't know. But the whole Friday, 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 the 13th thing is pretty, that's pretty funny. It's not going to be funny if someone gets hurt, then um, I'm going to feel bad for thinking it's funny, but currently it's funny on the 10th. It's funny. On the t- yeah, you're. Right. And yeah, we got to on the thirteenth, it might not be funny anymore. But on the tenth, it's funny. We
0: need to start putting the dates when we record these,
1: so people that are so listening so back, people listen to them yeah. when they're posted don't at us about Daninos. Yeah, which 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 was fair. Which shout out? You know, wait, well, no, shout out Alabama Pro Updates. Shout yeah. him out, good dude. Yeah, great dude. They didn't know I any better following his account. Did, he didn't know when we recorded
0: the episode. Yeah. And so we just, you know, but and it was it was funny because the, Cause the we texted second about it, this. Yeah, the second that it happened, I was like, somebody's gonna say something. Yep. And it took, you know, because it took, that yeah, it got it released it towards the end of the week. Wait a couple of days the episode, way that we typically yeah. do it, we try to keep it time sensitive. A lot of the basketball stuff when it gets recorded, it's baseball still fresh. and softball, play every day. Yeah. The so. football stuff is like that's not going on right now, so that's not you know, that can kind of be a, a back of the week type of release. But believe it or not.
1: Not given how much time we spend talking about it, this is football's off season. Yes, yeah, but we're—I don't know if you knew that or not. W- w- this
0: is a podcast that's dedicated to bringing fans basketball content because there's not a whole lot of great Alabama basketball podcast. There's certainly, I don't think, hardly any uh, podcast that focus on baseball and softball when it comes to Alabama and some of the other things. But one thing you can rest assured of: we're not forgetting about football at any point. We know, because we know you don't. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> so that the football content is never going to stop. We just like to bring people a nice, you know, round, uh, diverse sports podcast when it comes to Alabama athletics, not just Alabama football. We're we're the podcast for the tier one gumps. That's right. The the guys that are full and girls. Because one thing I've learned, there are just as many girls out there or females that do a fantastic job on Twitter of keeping up with stuff, keeping the fan base rallied when it comes to basketball. I mean, I could, and then once I start shouting them out, I got to shout out all of them. So I, I wouldn't want to do that. But
1: I saw I a, tr- I I saw a trio of young ladies on the front row of the uh, Sewell Thomas Stadium um, home plate club for the Sunday game. I love Mixing that. it up with those hooligans down there on the front row. I love the students. Uh, you know, and some of them aren't students anymore, right. but
0: most of them are. Uh, I love seeing the students, you know, male and female, both doesn't matter, being so dedicated and rallying the troops and making sure that the students are there, cheering for these sports teams. Um, I think that's great for Alabama athletics. I think that's great for the programs. When when re- recruits see that, you know, I, I think that reflects very well. So definitely, you know, any of those male or females, that's uh, so what I'm just going to keep calling them, that. Listen to this podcast. Uh, keep that up because that's fantastic. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get back to football. Make sure we don't get too sidetracked. What, what with
1: inspired this. that tangent? Um, How'd you get there? I mean, I ask myself that a lot, actually.
0: <laughs> well, it's conversations with friends. At, at, at a certain point, it, about every other conversation I have, I have to stop and say, How do we get here? What, it's, what, it's, it's like the it's like the
1: Michael Scott line in The Office where he's like, "Sometimes I start a sentence and I don't know how it's going to end." Yeah. Well, I just I true. just find it. Yeah, <laughs> just something that's been weighing on my
0: heart. I guess I wanted to show the the appreciation because when I do see it on Twitter, um, I think it's really cool. So, well, uh, I'm,
1: I'm glad you got that off your chest. I yeah. will be
0: billing you for your therapy session. Yeah, Phil. Yeah. It's no therapy. It's appreciation. Learn to appreciate. Don't don't hate. Appreciate. Exactly.
1: Turn your expectations into appreciations. That will do a, world, a lot of good. Think of think of all the sage advice the podcast listener is getting without having any idea this was what would come into their lives today. I had no idea this was going to come into their lives. Neither did I. I. But here we are. So When, I, when a- I woke up three times this morning with screaming children in my house, I had no idea that I would be having this conversation today. Now, were you expecting those children to scream? Or well, did, of course. Did you appreciate it? <laughs> I definitely didn't appreciate it. Well, but I also expected it. So, yeah. I did the exact opposite of what we should be doing. When we come back, we're we're, we're going to talk about you, yours, and Morgan's system. But in reality, we're going to talk about Josh Joe and cornerbacks. Yeah. This has been the Bama Beat Podcast. Go buy Wickle's Pickles. Hi there. Welcome back to the Bama Beat Podcast in the Wickles studio. I'm Brett Hudson with Clint Lamb. Wickles, by the way, are wickedly delicious. Pickles, relishes, okras, and much more. It's a family recipe that is 90 years in the making in this state, in the state of Alabama. But since 1998, you've been able to find it in the pickle aisle of your local store. And sometime after 1998, you've been able to find it on WicklesPickles.com. Wide array of pickle-related products and a sandwich spread that Hunter raves about but refuses to get me a jar of. Why? I don't know. He hatin'. Deal with it, and Brett is way too busy with two young ones to go to the store and get his own. Exactly. So he, we need the. Somebody needs to get me a jar of the Wickle sandwich spread. I don't ask for much. I don't. Okay. I, I just want there, free food. That's fair. Which at this point
0: you deserve. Is that so much to ask? You're putting in the work with the kids.
1: I just, I just want to eat a lot of food for no money.
0: Waking up, going to take care of the kids because they're crying turning around and going to the fridge and getting yourself some wickles Pickles. To uh, What a great
1: 2.30 a.m. snack. I would think so. Wouldn't you? Uh, I've got one of my daughters in my left arm and the right hand in a jar of Wickles. just throwing down some pickles at 2.30 a.m.
0: You're going to have them doing that Little Rascals I Got a Pickle song when they get of age. That should be a yes. If they want to. If the, it's fine. They're influential. you got to... Do you,
1: do you even know what I'm talking about? I got a pickle. Hey, I, it's hey, been hey. a while since I've seen Little Rascals. I'd have to watch it again. A classic. Okay, being honest. Let's so I, I have corners. a thought about. I have a thought about Josh Job. Um, <laughs> what are we doing here? I have a thought about Josh Job that I wanted to get into. He's kind of a throwback corner, in my opinion, in that he's a little more physical. He's mean. He's nasty. And I wonder... And that hurt him at times. It can. Yes. But but you're absolutely right. I wonder how that plays over a full season if it's given the opportunity. Because... Every corner was like Josh Job maybe 15 years ago because back then wide receivers weren't the Julio Jones mutant freaks of nature that they are now. Back then they were just kind of skinny guys that could run real fast. So if you got a corner that was long and strong and physical and could kind of manhandle a wide receiver, that was the best way to go about it. That was the best way to play corner 15, 20 years ago. But then aliens like Julio Jones started populating the earth and all of a sudden you couldn't manhandle wide receivers anymore so you had to go to a different mold of corner a guy like a trayvon diggs who's a little thinner a little more lanky but is able to keep up with those guys and kind of beat them with speed and getting the ball away from them in the first place instead of kind of manhandling them away from from the ball so i'm just kind of curious and Josh Joe doesn't really fit that. But what I mean, he's, he's 6'1", 189. It's not like he's 6'4", 230 out there on the edge. But he's obviously very physical. He's strong. He's mean. He's a physical tackler. And I just wonder how that kind of a cornerbacking style plays over a full season at this level, if given the opportunity. Because I, I remember writing about Josh going into that citrus bowl right when Trayvon was skipping the game and Josh job was stepping in and he was a guy so he went he played in Miami for most of his high school career and then he went to a academy up in Connecticut for his final year and I talked to the the coach at the academy up in in Connecticut and the athleticism that Josh Cho has is just off the charts like he was he was a running back type in Miami. Like, think about that for a second. Think about how ridiculously athletic you have to be to tote the rock in South Florida. That's an athleticism level that is off the charts, and he was able to do that and play some DB in, in high school. He didn't do a ton of that up in Connecticut. He had a nagging injury thing, so they kind of kept him to, to DB up there for the most part. But... In Connecticut football, I mean, that's
0: not trying to take any shots at anybody, but that's...
1: Oh, it's it's a thing, though. Like, imagine... Yeah. imagine what must it be like to play your first three years of high school football in Miami, in South Florida, and then play your final year in Connecticut? Right. And that's what must that be like? A lot of people felt like he should have been ranked
0: higher as far as recruiting rankings coming out of high school, but because of some of that high school competition as he got older. Yeah. We just wasn't there. So it's kinda of hard to see exactly where he was at in comparison to guys like Jalen Armor mm-hmm. Davis and some other guys who were who were rated slightly ahead of him. Right. And he made a pretty sizable leap, I think, uh, in some of the final recruiting rankings, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Back then, but he was kind of slept on. And, you know, he was the very quickly kind of lived up to expectations. Yeah. I mean, he, he was inconsistent, but he certainly was the guy out of that group that kind of stepped up fairly quickly. But when you talk about the last really physically imposing corner, I'm talking about a guy that, like, just put fear into, you know, even the run game as a perimeter corner was Marlon Humphrey a few years ago, and he was 6'1", 196, mm-hmm. so, you know, seven six seven pounds heavier than a guy like Josh Joe. Yeah. but
1: the, the point I was making is he has the athleticism to cover. He's not he like a huge, stiff, basically outside linebacker playing corner. He has the athleticism to play cover corner, but he isn't going to be the true cover corner guy because he's more physical than that. So, again, if he's given the opportunity, I'm just curious how that plays over the course of a season. Well, I think that fans, A, because he's set out –
0: the bowl game uh, Trevon Diggs is who I'm talking about the fact that he set out for the bowl game and the fact that the LSU game he got torched and there was a couple other games where he didn't play his best ball and the fact that he wasn't much of a willing tackler and uh, against the run I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he was coming off injury he was maybe trying to preserve himself a little bit was kind of scared you know he knew you know he was a senior this year he was done um, trying to kind of survive and stay healthy to make sure that he preserved that draft stock um I think fans didn't maybe appreciate him as much as they should have. When you watch this guy, the fact that he used to play receiver, he understands what receivers are trying to do, how they're trying to set up defensive backs, and he does a great job of mirroring that and using that to his advantage. He's got excellent ball skills. Like I say, he's got the length that you look for at the position, and not having a guy with the raw ball skills that Travon Diggs had – you know, Josh Job, I think that's an area maybe where he can stand and get better. And so it'll be different having that kind of guy playing opposite Patrick Tan or Ronald Williams, whoever it ends up being, uh, in comparison to a guy like Trevon Diggs. And that's something that I think will show up somewhat on film. But the hope is that he can win in other areas to make up for that. I don't think he's going to have – he's not going to be the, the – kind of guy that's going to be able to create turnovers maybe as much as Travon Diggs but he should be a much more physical presence and the perimeter tackling from a guy like Josh Job should be better than what we saw not what Trevon Diggs is capable of but what we saw from Travon Diggs this past year hashtag Josh Jobe corner blitz there you go yeah. How fun would that be? That would be fun. Now, granted, they love sin of the star and yeah. the nickel
1: guy Yeah, I That's mean, this is a corner blitzing defense, but they do it every now and then. Oh, I love using that on NCAA, the corner blitz. CB blitz roll the roll the uh, backside safeties over the top into a cover three absolutely and then yep. I'm using you know if I'm bringing it, the
0: corner from maybe the maybe right even do side. it before the
1: snap for an okie look yep if I was doing that back in
0: NCAA football I'm bringing you know if I'm bringing the right corner I'm playing that right in on the opposite side trying to get the QB to roll out instead of right into that blitz he would do it every time <laughs> you can manipulate that <laughs>
1: the other the other thought I had about the the corner position. And I guess you could say the same for Star. but what, open it in question, what happens if Ronald Williams Jr. isn't that dude? Like, what happens if he shows up and the evaluation was wrong, or if he gets hurt in preseason camp, or if he just doesn't grasp the defense and he isn't a viable option? What happens if Ronald Williams Jr. is not the answer?
0: That is the million-dollar question. Now, my guess would be Jalen Armour Davis. I'm still a huge Jalen Armour Davis fan, and I still like uh, Marcus Banks as well, but that's why I'm somewhat getting more concerned about this position group than maybe I realized because it's like you're banking on the fact that Ronald Williams is going to be that dude, and if he's not, you start getting into some of that depth the guys that really should have been your your cornerback four or your cornerback five are now moving up the depth chart now that they're your starters. And one thing about it, corner is a very exploitable position, whether it's inside as your star or whether it's your outside guy. If there's one weak link, opposing offenses, especially nowadays with the passing games that we see, they can find that guy and exploit the ever-living Mess out of them. I guess that's the easiest way to put that.
1: Also, it's, the PG way of putting
0: that. Yeah. Um, th- yeah, we were about to take that in a very different direction. I realized, <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, but, you know, even a guy like Marcus Banks, I. I, I You know, played in seven games last year as a true freshman. Really, like I've said, the only, you know, by far the smallest cornerback on the roster. The rest of them are 185-plus. Marcus Banks is only 170. He's only six foot. My guess is is he's probably closer to 5'11", just based off of standing next to him. Um, And, you know, with the way that Alabama likes to fudge a little bit on the heights. And that's totally fine. Don't they all? Uh, but I really liked what I saw from Marcus Banks last year. And, and he was, I think, the lowest rated corner or defensive back in general that they signed in last year's class in the 2019 group, but he was still the 127th overall player in the number 13 <laughs> corner. So it's not like you know I've, I've heard a lot of people be like, oh, he was the lowest rated. You know who else was the lowest rated player amongst their position group in last year's recruiting class? DJ Dill ended up being the most impactful true freshman defensive lineman Alabama had. So this idea that Marcus Banks,
1: uh, he's he's not a slouch at all. The the runt of an Alabama recruiting class litter. Is oh, it's still incredible. a top 150 player in the nation. Yeah. And that's their bottom-tier guy
0: at that position. And, you know, yeah, because you had Brandon Turnage, who was 102. You had Scooby Carter, who was 91, who's no longer on the roster. Helams, uh, Helams however you want to say it, was 84 overall. And then you had uh, Jordan Battle, who was 43. So, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that he was the that's lowest. That's insane. Player. Yeah. Uh, but he's still uh, – capable depth i like i would just like to see more of them it's it's hard to get a really good look at these guys um because you can only see limited practice first of all and second of all typically when you are seeing practice you're seeing the starters um and so it and there's just the spring should be able to tell us a lot about work guys like brandon turnage marcus banks uh jaquez robinson you know he did get those extra few practices you know he was a top 300 player um You know, will that help him as far as early playing time? Who knows? We'll kind of see. But there's a lot that needs to be worked out with this secondary. And the only thing that I could could guarantee – right now I would guarantee two things for sure, and then I also would feel pretty confident about another. One, Jordan Battle's going to be the top safety. Mm -hmm. Uh, Patrick Sertan – Jr. is going to be the top corner, whether that's at star or outside corner, he's your top guy there. And then the next that I feel the most confident in is Josh Job will be a starter. Outside of that, I don't know. A lot of people, you know, and we'll talk about this more. Do you but,
1: project Job to star?
0: I do, yes. Okay. Um, just because of where. There was a lot of hype, if you remember, uh, surrounding Job coming into last year. And that Duke game put a huge damper on all of it. I remember that. Uh, but a lot of people were just like – and I remember being blown away, you know, with Shaheen Carter and his experience and the way the coaching staff had built him up. Uh, the fact that he, you know, really looked really good down the stretch in 2018. Uh, to This idea that a second-year player like Josh Job was looking so good in practice that they – decided to shuffle some things around to put Shaheem Carter on the bench and start Job I was like this guy must just be you know lights out and then he looked very, he looked overwhelmed against Duke, is how I would describe it. From a physical standpoint, from a talent standpoint, all that's there is just he wasn't quite ready for the moment. But
1: you saw him get that second chance against Michigan, and he they targeted him a lot. They, they threw at him twice on the first three plays and yes. couldn't connect. And, now, one know, of those was a Shea Patterson overthrow, but the coverage was still good. Shea Patterson never overthrew the ball, man. What are you talking about?
0: <clears throat> the most accurate quarterback in college football history. Mm-hmm it He was so bad in that game, um but you, you're right uh you know Josh Job, I thought more than held his own, and the the fact they went at him right out the gate, and he responded well means okay, now he's over that, it being the moment being too big for him. They came at him right out the gate, and he responded about as well as he could, one of them probably should have been completed, but even after that he continued continue to play well and that could you know that could have been the, the downfall of wow i got away with one and it could spiral on you real quick when you start getting down to yourself and he didn't he responded well to that so i yeah i really like the combination of josh jobe and patrick sertan jr just find that third guy yep and then finally you know who's going to win the, the safety battle between daniel wright and demarco uh hellams and we'll we'll
1: get to that later on in this uh in this series yeah so you got anything else um no i think i'm good i mean the the series will continue and by the time we do this next time we'll have had exactly one spring practice under our belt so there will be reporting on tidesports.com on that and uh nick saban press conference maybe some news comes out of that i'm sure it will uh but from here on out we'll go special teams to break up the offense defense rhythm then finish out with wide receivers safeties running backs and defensive line
0: the fact that special teams is falling on spring
1: break worked out quite well. Uh, we definitely did not plan that, as was made abundantly clear at the beginning of this series, but worked out well enough for us, didn't it? Yeah, it certainly did. So I'm, you know, in the. It's not going to be a long podcast.
0: We'll probably sprinkle in some other news and stuff. We're not going to spend forty minutes that like we've done a day talking about a few special teams guys. Uh, we'll try to more so. What we'll what I'll do is just to. You know, I, we try to be as informative as possible for the fans. So, not only will it be kicker, punter, long snapper, all those things being covered, I'll start getting into guys that are really considered impact special teams players, like an Ali Kehoe, mm-hmm. um, and really dive into the nitty gritty. And then talk about some guys who show that capability that are true freshmen that might have to make a mark on special teams to start their careers at Alabama, but just because, you know, they're loaded at that particular position for this, you know, upcoming year. So I'll try to put, you know, a lot of that stuff together. We'll, we'll kind of start knocking some of that out to where it will be a much more informative podcast and, you know, okay, kicker, punter, long snapper, kicker, returner, punt, returner, that's it. You know, we'll try to get a little bit more extensive. But uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the Bama Beat podcast brought
1: to you by wickles
0: pickles and ua sports marketing do we want to
1: help someone else get a job in this in this episode do we want to point out someone else who is unemployed just so they can rapidly become employed within three hours of this podcast being recorded who's going to be this week's dan enos
0: who could, who could even possibly be... Well, apparently, Mark Rick's out there wearing George Tech gear and uh, getting taken you know, oh, pictures taken in that. So, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, go throw that man a yeah.
1: job. Okay. Yeah, Mark Rick doesn't have a coaching job yet. Yeah. He there, he, I
0: said it. He's going to become the assistant to the head coach to Jeff Collins. Over or
1: Colorado's going to realize how badly they messed up their coaching hire and fire Carl Durrell and bring Mark Rick done while wow, we are not done with this podcast how because, dope
0: would that be because we yeah i mean speaking of colorado antonio alfano yes yeah dismissed from the team uh, was he dismissed
1: yes i knew he was uh, suspended did he get, did he full on get dismissed later uh in inde- uh, oh maybe it was suspended i think it was suspended indefinitely, suspended
0: indefinitely. Yeah. yeah uh and which yeah man th- you got to clarify that too cuz you're right that well, is well right. i
1: was just asking i mean right. i miss
0: things these days um i change a lot of diapers crazy crazy how far he's fallen you know compared and when you talk about what Alabama could have used with Alfano no kidding and Ayabi Anoma who dealt with similar circumstances transferring out to Houston I mean it's just those are two top five players in their respective classes who could have been very helpful to Alabama over the last couple years and now they're both you know Alfano could end up back with Colorado. He's a talented kid. Colorado didn't get a lot of those guys unless it was something really bad. Maybe he will be able to work his way back into the coach's good graces and get back on the team. But that's not a guarantee. So, unfortunate for him, we'll bring you guys any updates that we get on that at a later time. Um, you know, he's not an Alabama player anymore. was only an Alabama player for a short period, so we're not going to cover it extensively. But, it is something that was relatively big news in the last couple of days. So, once again, we appreciate you guys tuning in to the Bama Beat podcast brought to you by Wickles Pickles and UA Sports Marketing.